Well, I don't know when the last time it was that you got 1 Timothy 412'd. We just did that. We got 1 Timothy 412'd today. You know what that verse says? Uh, don't let anyone look down on you because you're young, but set an example for the believers in, the, in your speech, in your life, in your faith, your love, and your purity. And we just got 1 Timothy 412'd by all of our students today, and I'm thankful. And, um, you know, um, I'm glad you're here today. For those of you that are online, we're so, so thankful that you're here. Jeremy and Caleb are here. And, and, and um, four years ago, Jeremy and I go way back. He's a pastor at First Baptist Newcastle, Oklahoma. And I think 30 years ago or so, we worked together in youth ministry. And four years ago, Caleb was in an accident. And I drove that next day to the hospital and I took a basket and, um, and we, we came back that, next, that, that Sunday. That Sunday, I asked our church to pray for him. Pray for Jeremy, pray for him, pray for Caleb. And, and maybe some of you were here four years ago when we did that. And today is so important for us to shine a light on on God answered a prayer that we prayed. Now, there are many times that God answers prayers in ways we don't anticipate. And I'll be honest, that's why today is so special to me. Because God answered a prayer. I, I didn't even know how to pray. I just prayed, God, help them. And God answered a prayer in a, in a way I didn't anticipate. And I want you to be ready to listen to the Lord today because, um, because, because of what to, Caleb is going to share and Jeremy's going to share. It's one of those moments in my life that I am absolutely convinced that God sees us that God has a purpose for you and for me. So let's turn our attention not just to Caleb and Jeremy, but I pray you turn your attention to the Holy Spirit. You realize we just asked the Holy Spirit to come and speak to us. Let's get ready. Watch this. Well, that's nationwide attention right there on an incredible Oklahoma teenager. That's when a car crash left Caleb Freeman paralyzed and in a coma. Good job, Caleb. Caleb Freeman was the fastest runner on the team, on pace for college scholarship. And then, right after his sophomore season with the Newcastle Racers, a wreck altered the course of his life forever. You look at your son and you think, okay, if he does wake up, 
What's he going to be like? What's going to be there? Caleb fought off death, comatose for weeks, paralyzed for months. Traumatic brain injury robbed him of all his abilities. Grab my hand. Right here. Grab it. Grab my hand, Caleb. They prayed for healing. They believed Caleb would walk again. They hoped against all odds that he would run. back at Newcastle High School, trying to walk on his own, testing his strength and his balance on the football field. The goal has always been for Caleb to be fully restored. The Freemans have always believed God would be faithful. This is his last chance to run with the racers. From the day I met him, he told me he'd be running at regionals. This is our last meet before regionals, and we just did what we could to get him into this race. I might not feel ready, but the Lord will give me the strength to push through to the end. Stand up, you're okay. Don't try to do too much. Hop up. You got it. Keep going. You got it. You got this. Here's your goal. We said your goal is just to glorify God. If you fall, get up, keep going. If you run out like a cheetah, keep going. No matter what, the goal is just to glorify God. watch all those kids, you know, just line up behind him, um, it's really, it's, there, there are no words. Last time this year, he was in a wheelchair, using a walker. Here we are a year later. Imagine where he'll be in another year, you know? It's incredible. nothing left, team will pull you through. Team for this kid stretches the glow. <laughs> they shall never run again. But God had other plans. That's right. Amen. <laughs> Man, it is a joy to be with you guys today. Look at this room. This is awesome. Uh, Caleb and I get the privilege of traveling around and seeing what the Lord is doing in a lot of other churches. I can tell you this, this church is alive. God is working here. What an awesome place to be a part. I love your pastor and your staff and what the Lord is doing. We had a great weekend. I think you'll hear around 17 students gave their life to Jesus Christ this weekend. So we give God praise for that. That's what it's all about. But this is a, a rare treat for us because how many of you just out of curiosity uh, at some point in the last four years prayed for Caleb? Let's see. 
Look at that right there, Caleb. And so what's awesome about that for Caleb is that we like to say that Caleb is where he is for two reasons. One, by the grace of just the sheer grace of God and two, the prayers of God's people. So thank you for praying for Caleb. What do you want to say, Caleb? Um, I feel like it's speaking to what the pastor said before that. This is just proof that God really sees us and cares for us because like all of the people that I didn't even know were praying for me and God must have heard them heard their prayers because now he's answered them and brought me to where I am today. So I feel like we can't overlook that. We gotta remember to thank God every day for this because why else would he want, why else would he do it again? That's right, man. So thank you guys for praying for Caleb and uh, what a blessing it is for him to get to see people that have never met him, uh, didn't even know him, to pray for him the way that, that you did. And you're gonna hear today, I'm gonna share at the end, um, we understand that the Lord, like Chris said, sometimes does things differently than what we expect. So we like to say at our house that life is often not good, but God is always good and we trust him in all things. Yeah, I I don't want to do anything like a sculpture. I want to be completely different. So I would I want that to be any different. That's right, man. God has totally transformed Caleb. And so you know, today our message is this: death to life. Everybody say death, yes. and say life. And we want you to know we serve a God who he specializes in bringing what is dead to life. Amen to that. God just doesn't make bad people good. He makes dead people alive. And we prayed for Caleb. When Caleb, so the students have heard a lot of this all weekend, but I know some of you haven't. So students, bear with us for a second. We tried to pick a video that the students had not seen. I love that video for a lot of reasons because uh, that journey shows so many people have been a part of Caleb's path, encouraging him, praying for him, and supporting him along the way. And you just like the line that I had in it, right? What was the line? But God had other plans. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. But God had other plans. And that's exactly right. And so, you know, when Caleb was in a coma, which by the way, so. Just, no, no, I feel like we can't overlook that. Why like, not? That line needs to be talked about because that's like going to go down in history. <laughs> That's one of the greatest lines ever said. <laughs> ever said. So I feel like we should take at least a couple minutes uh -huh. and ponder it. Should we have a moment of silence for that, that line? I think that I think that would be respectful. <laughs> so anyway, you can tell Caleb's got a great sense of humor. But just to you guys that don't know, four years ago, 16 years old, on his way to an OU basketball game, 75,000 pound semi truck hit him directly on his side. We met the EMS worker that worked the accident scene one year after the wreck. Said he'd been doing it 25 plus years, had never seen someone survive that kind of trauma. He said when he got, showed up on the accident scene, he found Caleb's head just less resting on the grill of the semi-truck. Caleb was wearing a ball cap that night. It flew off of his head, landed on top of the semi, kind of force. They called in the fatality team, didn't expect Caleb to live through the night, all those kinds of things. They told us early on, Caleb would probably not survive through the night. First 48 hours were critical. Caleb survived night number one, night number two, and he just kept hanging in there by the grace of God. And then eight weeks later, our family had moved to Denver, Colorado, to a specialty hospital there. 
Out of nowhere, one day his therapist said, Caleb, can you nod your head? Yes. And he nodded his head and boom, we knew he was in there. We knew that he was coming back. Hey, you know what? I think the doctors forgot to take into consideration. What's that? Like, I'm, I'm sure what they probably usually see is death and stuff. Mm-hmm. But they're not super used to seeing God be involved as much as he was in, uh, in mine. That's right. We, you know, the doctors used to think our family was kind of in denial. Now, listen, we had a child pass away in 2013, and I'll tell you about him in a moment. So we know that God doesn't always do what, what you're asking him to do in prayer. Uh, but the doctors thought we were crazy. When we were in Denver, man, Caleb's room was covered in Scripture, worship music, praying. Uh, we were praying all the time because uh, we were believing God was going to resurrect him. I feel like I need to clarify. Yes. Like, there was nothing special about me that made God be involved in my wreck any more than anyone else's. That's right. Uh, I feel like if God's presence is always around us, and if we're aware of it, that activates him to, to move in supernatural ways. Mm-hmm. So I feel like the awareness God gave me for what he wanted to do in and through me was, and me accepting that, was just allowing Jesus to do what he's always willing to do for anyone. That's right. You know, Caleb likes to say that God's done this great miracle in him physically. In fact, if we put an image of his, his brain on the screen, his MRI, what he's doing doesn't match up what the image says. And doctors can't explain that. And we love it because they have, they, there's no medical explanation for Caleb making the progress that he is. But as much as he's progressed physically, and you saw in the video how far he came, I'll never forget trying to get him to grab my hand or I would hold this and say, Caleb, give me a number one. And he wasn't able to do those simple things. And as miraculous as all that is, the greatest work that God has done in Caleb is what's happened inside of his heart. In the book of Numbers, Caleb's mentioned in the Bible, and the Bible says that God put a different spirit in Caleb because Caleb trusted God with all of his heart. So Emily and I prayed. We prayed that if, if God would wake Caleb up, that he would put a different spirit in Caleb. We have seven kids. Caleb was our most quiet, shy, reserved child. That ship has sailed, man. This guy is a new person. He is totally transformed from the inside out. Yeah, I'm different. Like, <laughs> if you would have met me before the like, and met me after, it would be like meeting two completely different people. That's true. Is that just how much a guy has changed me? That's right. Like, before the like, <laughs> I was really shy. <laughs> And I avoided talking to people. So if you somehow got me in front of everyone talking, I just spent the whole time like. <laughs> but now if you hand me a microphone, good luck to me, shut up. That's true. <laughs> he loves to tell that. So if you've already heard it, he likes to say it. And he's like this, though, in general. So this morning, we get on the elevator, we're, and there's a gentleman in there. And Caleb knows, if we're in an elevator, he's got a captive audience, right? So he starts talking to this guy. And I said, Caleb, you got about 30 seconds. So he jumped in, started mm. telling his story. And before he knew it, he and this old guy were giving each other hugs in the elevator. But that's how he is. He's in the moment. Today's my wife and I's anniversary. And so, oh, well, thank you. And... Uh, Oh, uh, that reminds me. Happy anniversary. <laughs> Thanks. Thank you, son. Uh, but if Emily were here, she would tell you that we're learning a lot from Caleb. We're learning how to be in the moment because Caleb lives in the moment. 
Often many of us are thinking about what's next, where we have to be next or what we have to do next. Caleb's not concerned about what's next because he knows what's next may never come. He's right in the moment. Isn't that true, Caleb? You've learned that and you live that every day. Yeah, well, I feel like we've lost what it means to give our lives to Jesus. What that means to me personally is turning full control over everything that I wanted from my life to Jesus Allowing him to use it how he knows will bring him the most glory. So I feel like every moment that I get while I'm on this earth, I believe with my whole heart that God can change. Even if he has just a moment, he can change it completely. So I feel like if I'm, I'm going to skip over a moment, I'm surrendering opportunity for God to really get involved in it. So I feel like with every moment I want to give a Bernie, I gotta stay in it and see what God wants to do right now. Come on, now that'll preach right there, right? Stay in the moment, man. That is so good. So Caleb, you know, I'm a pastor. He grew up in a pastor's home. Caleb had prayed a prayer of salvation when he was young, baptized. And we had seen what we thought were evidences of the Holy Spirit in Caleb's life. But Caleb actually believes he came to know the Lord after the wreck. That was a process of us trying to figure out what the Lord was doing. But all I can tell you is this. We do believe Caleb has come to know Christ because what does it mean to be a follower of Jesus? It's when you come alive spiritually. The Bible says you're born again. You're brought to life. Caleb has been brought to life. He is so alive spiritually. He wants to, to live on mission for the Lord. I got to baptize him a year after the wreck, which was an incredible moment. And uh, so whatever happened to him as a child, it was probably just kind of a church experience. But I know this, he is a brand new person and he is a man on a mission and he doesn't want to miss any opportunity for the Lord. Well, well yeah, now I feel like this is when I became a Christian because we further like, I grew up in church, so I had all the information about Jesus. They right. learned in the Bible. That gives you a false sense of knowing God and being known by God. But I had no inner transformation. So before the wreck, I just said a prayer, said some words, and then count myself as saved just because of the prayer. Right. But I had no change in my life. But now... I know that Jesus has really saved me because I've become, become alive. And like my life looks so differently. <laughs> I feel like that's what it means to be a Christian. Like it should be impossible to say the same person before Christ and after Christ. That's right. And that's what I was doing before the wreck. Now, I feel like uh, how new I am speaks kind of for itself, not because anything I could have done, but everything that he could have done. That's right. So Caleb, man, I, I just get, he wants to tell the story. I want to make sure we don't forget. Caleb likes to use every opportunity to bring a little humor to a situation. If he can corner you for five minutes, he's going to tell you Jesus loves you, and he's going to share a story with you. So uh, about a year after the accident, Caleb got invited to go speak at an event in Kentucky. I couldn't go with him, but he was like, Dad, I really want to go. So I asked my younger, or his younger brother, Clayton, to go with him. At the time, Clayton was 15 
16, Caleb was 17, and Caleb was still in a wheelchair at that time. So if your younger brother pushing your older brother around, that's kind of an awkward deal. Clayton was in the wreck the night of, of the accident as well. Clayton suffered a concussion. Thanks be to God, that's all it was. So he was a part of the process. So I decided to let them go. And Caleb's the kind of person, I told the students, that when he gets an idea, he thinks he should act on it, right? And we're working on this. This is not every idea is a good idea. So Clayton's pushing Caleb. But, 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 I got to clarify that about that because <laughs> I like every idea, if I don't act on it right then That's and true. there, I'm going to forget. That's right. So the world, <laughs> the world will never get to see the good idea I may or may not have had. <laughs> That's true. So I want to give you a glimpse of what life is like with Caleb. He does stuff like this all the time. So his younger brother's pushing him into the airport in a wheelchair. They get their security. They go into the terminal, and they're going into a little store to get a snack, and Caleb gets an idea. And what happened? Well, first mistake. we got to go back for a second. <laughs> you sent me and my younger brother to the airport alone. Like, what do you think's gonna happen? <laughs> Something bad. Yeah, yeah. My bad, my bad. Okay. So he's. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> so he's pushing you in. You go into the store. What, what do you do? Um, so we're going to a small convenience store. There's a couple other couples shopping around. I remember very distinctly one female cashier. And Cousins pushed me. And I just get this idea. So out of nowhere, I stand up, start walking around, saying, oh my goodness, it's a miracle I can walk again. <laughs> That's exactly what happened. It's like he thought in the moment, I'm healed. Yes. And the cashier is still looking at me puzzled like, what the heck are you doing? <laughs> so of course, being the new me, I look at her and I say, do you not get it? I couldn't walk, but now I can. It's a miracle. Yeah. And that's Caleb, man. Like he just uses these opportunities to have a little fun. And then what did he do? He shares his story with the lady, points her to Jesus, and it's an incredible thing. Last night we left here, we zipped through Tropical Smoothie, shared the story with the lady working there. You know, everywhere we go, we get opportunities to point to Christ. And so Caleb, you know, what's amazing about him is God brought him from death to life physically, but most importantly, he brought him from death to life spiritually. And it's an amazing, I get to witness this miracle every single day. Caleb's all in in worship. We have three worship services at our church, 8, 9, 30, and 11. Caleb's at all three every Sunday. Trust me, he brings brings all the life at 8 a.m., you know what I'm saying? And so he's down there on his, sometimes he'll have his hands raised, sometimes on his face before God, but Caleb truly is in the moment. And I'm telling you, before the wreck, he hated to sing. Now we can't get the guy to shut up, right? He sings as loud as possible, but why is that? Why are you such a worshiper? Uh, well, well, first of all, it's beautiful. <laughs> <laughs> That's right, it is beautiful. But why are you such a worshiper? Oh, and second of all, Here it comes. Uh, I'm getting ready for my child for American Idol. Well, that's it. Okay, I forgot I'm, about I'm, that. I'm going to win the whole thing. <laughs> and hard work will take you there. That's right. So why, I, why are you such a worshiper, though? Last thing, wrap up. Oh, well, I feel like um, for a long time, I would try to talk and nothing would come out. Mm -hmm. But God has gracious to give me that back. So I feel like with every breath, every like syllable I say, 
It should be to bring glory to Jesus. Mm. I mean, that's why. That's the reason why he's giving me my voice back. So I felt like singing, worshiping Jesus brings him glory, makes him the focal point of the conversation. So I should do that every opportunity I have. Man, I love that. Did you not hear? I love that. He, there was a time you couldn't speak. And God gave him his voice back, and he doesn't want to waste it. What a great, man, that was so good, Caleb. That is, I haven't heard Caleb say that in a long time. And man, that is so true, not to waste it, but to be in the moment and point people to Jesus Christ. Caleb did a great job, didn't he? Awesome. Yeah, one last thing? All right, last thing. All right. One last thing, he said. One last thing. <laughs> uh, uh, I also feel like the, the singing, the worship, has hit different now. Like, yep. before the like, I used to just like read the words of the screen and it wouldn't really mean that much to me. Like, it didn't personally, I can't put my life in it. But now, God's allowing me to sing with a more of an understanding mm. where the words aren't just words I'm saying, but they're words that actually mean something in my life. Or I can apply my life to the situation. So now I'm actively participating in the song when I'm singing. Man, that is so good, Caleb. And so when he sings Goodness of God or Waymaker or any of that stuff, he will tell you that is his story. God made a way when the, so it's personal to him. So that's a powerful word. Good job, brother. Awesome, man. Fantastic. That's it. That's just a book. Thank you. Well, I want to take just a minute. I know what you're thinking. Am I going to preach? I know it's 11.55. I'm supposed to be done at this point. But I want to do something real quick because I think this is really, really important. If you have your Bible, open to John 11 real quick. The Lord put this on my heart, and I really feel like this is for somebody today. And I promise you, we'll be done in, in uh, my part will be done in 10 minutes. And then Chris will take another 20 minutes, right? Uh, you know, I love this guy so much. He's a man after my own heart. But I, I got to share this because I want you to know our whole story. And um, a lot of people that don't know our whole story think, man, what a, what a gift. Jeremy, you don't understand what a gift it is that your son is doing so well. And we do know what a gift it is because we had a child pass away from cancer in 2013. Our son Trey got cancer when he was six years old. And for a year, he was in the hospital for 300 days between 2012 and 2013. And the Lord called him home as a seven-year-old. And we have seven children. Our oldest is 21. Our youngest is six. We're just crazy like that, right? My wife says it's because we're going to stay young. And I feel old every single day. Uh, but the reality is, is that I want you to see this because it's God's purpose that we have to hang on to in this life. And I want to remind you today that nothing touches your life that doesn't first pass through the hands of God. Amen to that? Nothing touches your life that doesn't first pass through the hands of God. Now that's a hard reality to embrace, especially when you pray for something and God chooses to do something different. We tell our family a lot at the end of the day that we trust God or we don't. And we've had a lot of hard things in our life. And after our son passed away, we thought, man, our suffering is done. Okay, Lord, we're gonna grow through this. And the Lord had other challenges for us that he was gonna do. And John 11 is a passage God really used in my life. And I wanna be very brief with this, but everybody say, God, his purpose, His purpose is for everything. God's purpose 
is for everything in your life. And you've got to ask yourself, do I really believe God has a purpose in my life? Look at John 11. You know this story well. Verse 1 says, A certain man was ill, Lazarus of Bethany, the village of Mary, her sister Martha. It was Mary who anointed the Lord with ointment and wiped his feet with her hair, whose brother Lazarus was ill. The sisters sent to him saying, Lord, look at this. He whom you love is ill. I love the details of the Bible. The Bible tells us that these are siblings. They're close to Jesus. These were not random people. These were people that Jesus really loved and cared for. And when it said he got word that Lazarus was ill, that word ill means sick and to the point of death. Didn't have a common cold. Lazarus was dying. And it says the one that you love is dying. Look at verse 4. When Jesus heard it, everybody say purpose. When Jesus heard it, this said this illness does not lead to death. It's for the glory of God that the Son of God may be glorified through it. That is the purpose statement of this chapter. Jesus is going to do something that goes far beyond what any of them could have ever imagined. It's his purpose. God has a purpose for everything. And we have to trust that the ultimate purpose of God is to bring himself glory. And sometimes God chooses to bring himself glory in ways that we don't agree with, that we don't, we, we don't understand. So look what happens here in verse 5. Now Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. So when he heard Lazarus was ill, he stayed two days longer in the place where he was. Has anybody ever said, God, what are you doing? If you love Lazarus and he's ill, you couldn't get, on a, get in a car and drive quickly there. It was going to take some time to get there, either by horse or carriage or something. But Jesus purposefully waited to go there. Why would he do that? He just said Lazarus isn't going to die, but he actually waited for Lazarus to die. That makes you scratch your head and say, God, what are you doing? It just tells you that we don't always see the whole picture, but we serve a God who sees the whole picture. Amen to that? He sees the beginning from the end. So he waits two days longer and he's waiting for Lazarus to die when he just said Lazarus wasn't going to die. So go over to verse 17. When Jesus came, he found that Lazarus had already been in the tomb four days. Why four days? Because he was dead, dead. They had wrapped him up, right? He was not coming out. He was dead. And it says in verse 18, Bethany was near Jerusalem, two miles off. Many of the Jews had come to console Mary and Martha concerning their brother. Look at 20. When Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she goes out to meet him. We know that Martha was always the aggressor between she and Mary. And Mary remained in the house. Martha said to Jesus, look at this line, Lord, if you would have been here, my brother would not have died. How many times have we said that to God? Lord, if, if you would have just done this, if you would have just done this, this would not have happened. When we were driving that night to the accident scene, my wife and I were begging God to spare Caleb's life. The thought of losing another child was unbearable to us. Yes, we would have trusted God. And yes, God would have gotten us there and healed our hearts. But we were begging God to spare him. Lord, if you, Lord, if you, all of these things, well, you've all been there. And when we don't understand God's purpose, our responses can often be like Martha's. We can be angry, frustrated. God, where were you? What are you doing? But look what happens here. It says in verse 21, Martha said to Jesus, if you'd been there, my brother would not have died. But even now I know that whatever you ask from God, God will give you. She makes the right statement, but she's not even really thinking about resurrection. She's not even thinking about that because look at verse, look at verse number 23. Jesus said, your brother will rise again. And Martha said, I know he will rise again in the resurrection on the last day. And Jesus said to her, look at these words, Martha, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet he shall live. And everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this? Jesus was about to do this incredible miracle, but the focus wasn't the miracle. The focus was him. 
Look what Martha said. Martha said, oh, I know he'll rise in the resurrection on the last day. And Jesus said, Martha, don't miss it. Don't miss me. Like, like Chris said, don't miss the Lord. He's here with us today. He sees you. Martha was looking past Jesus to an event. How many times do we do that? We miss God in the moment. We're looking for what we want God to do. And God said, don't miss me. Jesus said, yes, the resurrection will happen. But Martha, beyond that, guess what? I'm the resurrection. Amen? I'm the life. Though you die, yet you shall live. And everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this? He was trying to teach her something about himself. And see, when we misunderstand God's purpose... We can respond in lots of different ways. So look at Mary's response. Look over in verse number 32. Now Mary came to where Jesus was. She also falls at his feet. And she said, Lord, if you would have been here, my brother would not have died. She's sad. Martha was mad. Mary's sad. We've all experienced those things. So look what Jesus does in verse 33. When he saw her weeping and the Jews who had come with her weeping, he was deeply moved in his spirit and greatly troubled. He said, where have you laid him? Look at verse 35, shortest verse in the Bible. Jesus then wept. If you ever want to memorize scripture, start right there. John eleven thirty-five. Jesus wept. Have you ever thought about this though? Why would Jesus weep? He's getting ready to, to raise Lazarus from the dead. He's getting ready to do this incredible miracle. Why didn't he say to the people, hey, dry your eyes, everybody. Let's go. I'm going to raise Lazarus. This is going to be a party. Why does the Bible say that Jesus wept? And this is for somebody today. Here's why. Because God takes no pleasure in our pain. We serve a God who weeps alongside of us. He grieves over the effects of sin in this world. He hates death. He hates disease. He hates traumatic brain injury. He hates car accidents and cancer. He hates all those things. He takes time to weep with us. If you're broken today, you serve a God who's not trying to ruin your life or make you miserable. You serve a God who cares about you. He loves you. He takes no pleasure in your pain. And maybe you're wounded today and you say, hey, pastor, if he loves me so much, why doesn't he do something about my situation? I got good news for you. He did do something about your situation. Jesus Christ came, lived a perfect life, died on the cross for your sin in your place, rose from the grave, showing his power over all things. So guess what? Your pain doesn't have to have the final say on your life. Jesus has the final say on your pain. Amen? Think about that for a minute. That's what he came to do. Yes, he came to heal and work miracles, but his greater purpose was to bring people from death to life in their heart, in their heart. So if you trust in Jesus, I know you're hurting. I grieve every day I wake up and I miss my son Trey. And I say, oh God, I give you my pain. I give you my hurt. I'm trusting you with that. But I know this, my pain that I feel is only for a moment because one day God's gonna heal my heart totally. All through Jesus Christ. Christ came to bring a purpose into our life and to bring a purpose to our pain. So I gotta move on. But look down here in verse 38. Jesus deeply moved again, came to the tomb. It was a cave and a stone lay against it. Jesus said, take away the stone. Martha speaks up again. And here's what she says. What? There's going to be an odor. He's been dead four days. Jesus said, did I not tell you that if you believed, you would see the glory of God? Look down in verse 43. When he said these things, he cried out with a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. The man who had died came out, hands and feet bound. How cool would that have been, right? Hopping out like this, right? He comes out all bound up. He says, unbind him and let him go. See, it's God's purpose that prevails. Nobody could have seen that. If you're Mary and Martha and the disciples and Jesus said this illness doesn't lead to death and then Lazarus dies, you're scratching your head. But God has a purpose that prevails. But have you ever asked yourself, why did Jesus do this? Why am I sharing this today? Here's why. 
The reality is, is that God's purpose is what gives peace to our pain. It's his purpose that prevails and it's his purpose that carries us in this life. Sometimes God gets glory by healing some a believer that we love that's in heaven. Sometimes God gets glory by healing somebody on earth. And sometimes God gets glory by just a life of endurance as we trust God through our pain. The goal is God gets glory. So why did God raise Lazarus from the dead? He didn't, as far as I can see in the Bible, he didn't make it a normal practice to run around to the tombs calling people out left and right, raising people from the dead. Why would he do that? Here's why. He was trying to show something spiritually. Remember back in the earlier verse? He said, I'm the resurrection and the life. Though you believe in me, right? If you die, yet you shall live. And everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. They shall live. Here's what he was showing. When Lazarus came hopping out of that tomb, he was saying, just as you can be sure that he was dead and is now alive, so you can be sure that when you believe in me, you go from death to life in your heart. Amen? Amen. John 5, 24 says this. Jesus said, truly, truly, I say to you, whoever hears my words and believes him who sent me has not come into judgment. I love this line. He has passed from death to life. You know what God's greatest desire for you is? Is that you go from death to life in your heart. In this life, man, you're going to have a lot of hard things. I say often, man, in a fallen world, sometimes your worst fears come true, and that's true. I want to believe that we're done with our suffering, but I never know. Until the Lord calls me home, there's going to be other challenges that we face, and I pray, I pray not. But if they come, I know this. We serve a God who can be trusted in death, in life, and everything in between. So let me end with this. So our son Trey, man, he got cancer when he was six years old, battled it for a year. In January, of, January the 8th of 2012, my phone rang. My wife was in the hospital with Trey in Dallas. My phone rang. It was 11 o'clock and I answered and Trey had this cute little raspy voice. And all he said, I said, hello. He goes, I'm a Christian now. And I said, what? He goes, I'm a Christian now. And he passed the phone over to Emily and she began to tell me what happened. That night, Trey had gone to bed kind of early. So Emily went to bed. She woke up around 10 and she looked over and imagine a little six-year-old boy just kind of looking at the ceiling. Emily said, Trey, are you okay? And he said, yes. He said, but would you come lay with me? Emily came over and laid by Trey in the hospital bed. And they started talking. And we never talked about death with Trey because we didn't want him to be afraid. But that night, Trey said, Mom, am I going to die? And the Lord spoke through my wife many times, but two times specifically. And this was one of those nights. She said, well, Trey, you're not going to die until the Lord's done with you on this earth. And Trey said, but Mama, I'm not a Christian. God was working in his life. We had shared the gospel with Trey many times. And with kids, you're always careful. But that night, God was working. She said, Trey, do you want to be? He said, yes. So she began to share the gospel. Trey, do you know you're a sinner? Yes. And they talked about that. Do you know that you have to ask God to forgive you? Yes. Do you believe Jesus died for you and rose again? Yes. And they got to the place where she said, Trey, Jesus wants to be the Lord of your life. He didn't understand that word Lord, right? She said, it's kind of like Jesus is your boss. He wants to be the boss of your life. The lights came on. Trey said, yes, I want Jesus to be my boss. So we call January the 8th boss day because that's the day Trey said, Jesus, be the boss of my life. For the next six months, Trey became the greatest evangelist at Medical City Hospital in Dallas. Everybody that walked in his room, he wanted them to know Jesus was his boss. We had two Jewish doctors and two atheist doctors. They would walk in and he would say, is Jesus your boss? How's that for awkward conversation, right? <laughs> so we'd begin to share the good news of Christ with them and it was an incredible thing. But come to the end of that summer, September the 1st, 2013, I walked into Trey's room. Trey had fought hard. There were times we thought it was going to be over and he would rally. But that day we walked in and we knew this was it. The Lord was calling him home. We called back to Newcastle and we told our neighbor, can you please go get our children and bring them to us in, down to Dallas? So they all got down there. 
We're in the hospital, the same room that Trey gave his life to Jesus in. The same room he walked from death to life in his heart was the same room he was getting ready to step into eternity. All of our kids were gathered around, we're crying, we're praying, we're singing, we're doing all that we know to do. Trey, his eyes were closed. And out of nowhere, he said again, he said, he said, am I going to die? As a pastor, I've been with people in their final moments. I had nothing. I dropped on my knees. I'm just weeping, begging God to heal our son. And the Lord so spoke through my wife. She said, Trey, she said, you're not about to die. You're about to really live. And I'll never forget, man, those words, I didn't even understand the power of that until I was in John 11, many, many months later, when Jesus said, I'm the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet he shall live. And everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. See, for the Christian, you don't ever die. In about 15 minutes, Trey took his final breath on earth, but he took his first breath in eternity with his Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. See, our worst day was Trey's best day. But because Trey had walked from death to life in his heart on January the 8th, he then walked from death to life for all of eternity. And I tell you what, I find myself thanking God every day for the miracle that he did in Trey's heart. That was the greater miracle. I find myself thinking every day for the miracle he's done in Caleb's life, not physically, even though that's awesome, but spiritually. I love watching my son live on mission for Jesus Christ. That's why we've come today. We're not here to celebrate some physical miracle where Caleb gets the glory. We're here to tell you that we serve a God who brings people from death to life in every way possible. And you need that God in your life. You need that God in your life. Today, if you don't know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, the Bible says today is the day of salvation, not tomorrow because it may never come. What would keep you back from giving yourself to the only one who can give purpose and meaning and forgiveness to your life? What would keep you back from doing that? You need to do that today. Maybe you say, Pastor, I know the Lord, but there's pain in my heart. I'm angry at God. He didn't answer the prayer like I wanted him to. I'm going through something right now. And I say, Lord, if you, where are you? All those things. Maybe today you need to step back and say, God, I trust your purpose. Bring a purpose to my pain. Help me to know that you're in control and walk by faith. And God, get glory from my life no matter what. Maybe that's you today. Wherever this story hits you today, we pray that you would trust in the God who brings things from death to life. Can we bow our head together this morning? right there in your seat. And I'm going to have Chris come. And I know we've gone a little over. Thank you for your patience this morning. I just pray that the Holy Spirit of God has spoken to you today. I wonder today, right there in your seat, would you answer this question? Have you walked from death to life in your heart? Not have you prayed a prayer, not have you been in the baptistry, not is your attendance at church perfect. I mean, are you alive spiritually? That's the difference. Are you alive spiritually? That's the whole thing in this whole life. It's not about just being a good church person. It is going from death to life. Have you walked from death to life through Jesus Christ? Today, if not, Chris is gonna tell you how to do that. And in a moment, we'll be down here. We'd love to visit with you, pray with you. Caleb would love to pray with you. And we want the hope of Jesus to be in your heart. Maybe you've given up on God. Maybe you're frustrated with God. God is meeting you. He takes no pleasure in your pain. He wants to comfort you and strengthen you and fill you with hope and purpose so you can live out your life on mission for the glory of God. Look, you're not called to live my life. I'm not called to live your life. You're called to live the life God has given you for his glory. That's it. Until he returns or calls you home. And then one day, get this, this is so good. One day when you're in eternity, this life is gonna feel like a breath. This life is so short compared to eternity. Don't focus on what you can see. Live for what you cannot see. For that's what lives on forever. Listen to these words from Pastor, and you respond to Jesus today. You know, as 
as I prayed about this moment, this day, over and over again, God keeps reminding me, let's not miss the moment. So often I get in a service like this and I'm thinking, okay, well, what's next? And we got to push all that aside right now. Don't think about what's next. What is God saying to you right now? Look, whether you're online today or in this room today, don't miss the moment. There's got to be somebody in this room. We have watched 17 teenagers say, I need Jesus in my life this weekend. There's got to be somebody either online or in this room that that's, that's your greatest need. Christ to save you. And maybe it's in this moment that there's something in your heart going, that, that's me. I need Jesus. You do. Maybe it's in this moment that God is, is, has opened your eyes and opened your heart and said, today's the day of salvation. Don't miss the moment. You know, like it was right. Salvation is not a prayer, just a prayer you play, pray. There's not just, there's not some secret handshake or some magic in your words. Salvation comes the moment that you say, Jesus, I, I, I trust you. Jesus, I look to you. Jesus, I need you. Now, now oftentimes, like I sat next to Caleb in worship today, and I'll tell you, I, I, I'm inspired by what comes out of him as he just, his, his gratitude of praising the Lord. And it made sense as he said, yeah, I'm not going to waste another moment. That made sense to me. But sometimes when we, you know, you know when we come to Jesus, you know, it, it, is oft, it often comes out of us in a prayer. If you come to Jesus, you might go, Chris, well, what does that look like? How, how do I do that? Well, trust him. And how that comes out, it may, it may be like this. I'm, I'm going to ask you to, it comes out in a prayer often. And, and could you all just bow with me right now? Would you bow your head? And I want everybody in this room to bow your head and close your eyes. Online, I can't see you. But there's somebody online that will connect with you and you could let them know. Here's what I want to do in this room today. I'm going to ask everybody to bow your head and close your eyes. If, if, if you need to ask Christ, if you need to come to Jesus today, if you, if you need that transformation today, would you raise your hand? I'm not going to embarrass you. Is there anybody that would say, you know, it's me, Chris. Would you be bold enough to trust me to pray for you? Is there anybody that would say, would you just lift up your hand? Thank you. Thank you. Okay, thank you. I saw two. Thank you. Thank you very much. I saw three. Is there anybody else that would say, that's, that's me? I saw three in this room right now. Online, I can't see, but I, 
Anybody else would just say, I saw the three. Anybody else? For those of you that indicated that and maybe those that maybe were reluctant to trust me, that's okay. That's, I'll respect that. I want you to just pray this with me. Just right where you're seated. Dear Lord Jesus, I see you today. I hear you today. I look to you today. I trust you today. I see who you are. You died on a cross. You rose from the grave. And right now, Jesus, I come to you. Would you save me? I'm a sinner, Lord. Would you forgive me? Would you come into my life? In this moment, with all I've got right now, I trust in you. Thank you, Jesus, for saving me. Help me to walk with you. In Jesus' name, amen. You know the-